Hi there, everyone on YouTube and on the podcast. Uh, this week at church, we were in COVID lockdown, so we were online only, which means that I was able to do something a little bit different by having a, a kind of a, a Bible study session, but including maps and the Bible and in Greek and a whole bunch of more interactive stuff to make the uh, Zoom a little bit more interesting. So if you are listening to this on the podcast, it's probably a better week to have the video, uh, but otherwise, I still hope that you're able to follow along and find it helpful. And we should hopefully be back to our normal services next week. Thanks. Uh, so what I'll do is I want to start with just saying, let's get some context. So if I jump back to the beginning of Mark there for you, remember Mark is in a hurry. Uh, so the, the Greek word uthos, which is immediately, he uses it, like, I think, like 45 times. He's, it's just constant, especially in this first chapter of Mark. And he skips the birth of Jesus entirely, and he jumps straight into uh, John the Baptist and then uh, preparing the way for Jesus and then Jesus' baptism. So he jumps straight into the ministry of Jesus because he is, uh, like I said, in a bit of a hurry. So we have John the Baptist and we have baptism of Jesus. Uh, and then he starts out straight in this first chapter. He calls his first disciples, casts out an impure spirit and starts healing people. Uh, and then he needs a break. Fair enough. Uh, I'm with Jesus. He takes a break there. Then he's back into healing people, uh, healing some more people, having lunch with some dodgy people, fasting, Lord of the Sabbath. So we're already in chapter three now. Uh, so now Jesus is upsetting people because he's kind of violating <laughs> traditional Sabbath rules. Good work. And the crowd's like that. Uh, everyone likes that because they're either going to see something controversial or they're going to see some guy get like stoned or something. So the crowd starts to follow Jesus around at this point. Um, so they're following him around Galilee. Now, what I've been trying to describe to you for weeks, I've been trying to tell you the geography. I can actually pull up a map for you now. So I feel great about that. Uh, so you'll see here, if I zoom out on this map, all the way down here near Jericho even. So often it'll talk about uh, Jesus coming up from Jericho. So the Jericho is down near this here. You can see this little body of water here is the Dead Sea. So it's really, really low. So when he goes up to Jerusalem, you'll see Mount of Olives. That's where Jerusalem is. Jerusalem is right here. He goes up the hill to Jerusalem. Um, which should come up on my map, but for some reason is not. So Gethsemane is li <laughs> literally, you could chuck a rock from Gethsemane into Jerusalem. So you, top of Mount of Olives, you look over the holy city uh, into Jerusalem. Uh, but that's not where the story is right now. So when it says that Jesus uh, goes through Samaria, that's here, right in the middle, in order to get up to Nazareth, which is this whole region here. Uh, so Jesus was actually born in the city or the township of Nazareth that probably only had a couple hundred people tops, um, like maybe 120, 150 people. Nazareth is a small village. Uh, but then what's the name of the city that I've been talking about for the last month, basically? Does anyone remember this week? North Capernaum, very good. So on the Sea of Galilee, I think they call it the Sea of Tiberias now. You'll see this is Tiberias, this, this, um, the village here. At the top northwest, you'll see Capernaum here. So from the kind of the world of, of the first century Jewish world, Jerusalem's down the bottom here. All the way up the top here, we're starting to get to Gentile areas. 
Um, so by the time you get to Caesarea Philippi, this is where Jesus said to uh, Peter, you're the rock on whom I will build my church uh, in Caesarea Philippi. That is the furthest north that we hear of Jesus going. And this is fully pagan, like center of the, like here. There's very, very small Jewish uh, community here. It's a Gentile city in Caesarea Philippi and it snows up here. So, you know, Jesus is in a similar situation to us. He could walk to the beach and go for a swim, or he could walk up the hill here and go, and it would actually snow up there. Uh, so, and for those who are wondering, Natalie and Jono, our friends who are in Lebanon, Lebanon is up here in Beirut, and Damascus is over here somewhere, I think. Uh, so that's, that, this is the area of the world that they're hanging out in right now. So our story in Mark almost entirely takes place in this area and then eventually down in Jerusalem. But when it says he's walking around the villages of Nazareth and Galilee, this area here, this is Galilee here, and Nazareth is kind of in the middle of it. All right, so we jump back over to our story here. Crowds, uh, Jesus withdrew from his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. So this is in chapter three. This is where we were uh, probably a month ago when we were reading so Jesus is cruising around. The crowd's uh, there. He heals some guy on the Sabbath. And we assume that this is in Capernaum. Uh, whoops, I'm going the wrong way. Uh, and then we had this uh, intercalation here where Jesus accused by his family and teachers of the law. So this is where his family turns up and says, you're crazy. And then the teachers of the law turn up and say, no, you're demon possessed. And then it jumps back to the story about Jesus saying to my family are those who are doing the will of my father. Um, here we go here in verse 35. So that's an intercalation. So we have the first piece of bread was family saying he's crazy. The middle of the sandwich was the uh, the people who'd come from Jerusalem saying, no, you're demon possessed. And then he goes back to talking about his family. And then we have parable of the sower. Again, we have this intercalation type thing going on. We have sowing and then a lamp on a stand and then back to sowing parables. And then, so we're seeing in this story, it's saying, here is Jesus. He is coming. We're in a hurry. Uthos. We're doing things, everything immediately. And then we have uh, the story progresses and it shows Jesus has authority over uh, the Sabbath, which is very controversial. And Jesus has authority over uh, the, the paralytic, over uh, illness in the body. And then Jesus here has authority in Jesus calming the storm at the end of chapter four. Jesus has authority over the weather. Uh, and then jump to chapter five, he crosses to the region of the, the Gerasenes. Let's go back to here. So the region of the Gerasenes, when it says he crosses over all the way down here, will it come up on my map? It won't come up. Right here under my little handprint on the map there. Um, not blocking that. Yep. This is where he goes across to um, the, the region of the Gerasenes. And this is a Gentile side of the lake. This side, largely Jewish. This side is Gentile. Uh, and there is a group of 10 cities here called the Decapolis. Um, and down the bottom of that, we have the region of the Gerasenes where he goes and casts out the demon uh, the, or the group of demons called Legion. That happens over here. And that was this uh, story here in chapter five. So Jesus has authority over the Sabbath. He has authority over the um, over the crippled man's illness, and he can has authority over sin. He he says to this guy, "I forgive you," uh, basically, and he has authority over the weather. And now he has authority over the demons. So you can see that John, uh, sorry, Mark is building this picture of Jesus' authority again and again. Um, but he started with good news. 
He starts in the very first chapter saying he has come to preach the kingdom of God and good news. And then we get to what we were talking about last week in chapter 5, where he raises um, the dead girl and heals the woman who had been uh, sick for 12 years. So there was a uh, the intercalation story there. Jairus turns up and says, my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter is uh, on her deathbed. Come, please come. And then on their way there, we have this interruption, the meat and the sandwich with the woman who had a, uh, been bleeding for 12 years. Uh, so that was our topic last week. And the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years uh, is healed when she touches his cloak. And the scripture there, especially in the Greek, it talks about how she came up behind Jesus and touched his cloak. And this idea of coming up behind Jesus, the language kind of paints this picture of her following, her being the true picture of a disciple. So the disciples in this story are not behaving well. They're just kind of in disarray, don't know what's going on. And then we have this picture of this woman as a true disciple and her great faith uh, is what enables her to be healed. And then the same with Jairus. He has this sick daughter. Uh, he's the synagogue leader there in Capernaum. And, but his great faith overcomes, even though his daughter, uh, during the middle of that story, we find that his daughter has died. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. And eventually Jairus becomes an example of great faith as well. And we have, so into that intercalation story, we have Jesus saying, even if you are at the top of the social strata, even if you are the synagogue leader, the righteous, holy, wealthy uh, person at the top of the food chain, uh, I can, you can receive uh, healing through faith. You can receive good news from me. But then we had this woman who had been destitute uh, and for 12 years had been untouchable and likely had lost her relationships, uh, marriage if she'd ever been married. And even because of the bleeding, she was uh, ritually unclean. So even to sit in a seat she'd been sitting on would make you unclean, uh, especially not to touch her. But when she touches Jesus, instead of Jesus becoming unclean, he um, makes her clean. And so we have this incredible story of great faith that is contrasted with the disciples not being so uh, full of faith. So that kind of leads us up to chapter 6. So it says here that uh, Jesus left there and went to his hometown. So he left Capernaum, which is at this, uh, the top here, uh, and he would have cruised down, probably even maybe got a, the boat down to here, but he could have walked all the way back across to Nazareth, which was his hometown. So leading up to this point in the story, Jesus has established his power over the Sabbath and his power over illness and over nature and over the spiritual realm and over disease and over death when he raises Jairus' daughter uh, from, uh, from the death. And then he goes to his hometown and the Sabbath comes and he began to teach in the synagogue. Now, this is not a big synagogue. This is a little town. If you go to Nazareth today, there is a... Um, like a, a mock village that they've built where they think Jesus kind of grew up. Uh, and there's vineyards there and there's like a little watchtower and there is a synagogue. I, I have photos. I probably should have brought them today. Um, I have some photos in their fake synagogue that they built there. But if you picture the White House room that we meet in, it's basically that size. And uh, it's just a very kind of small community church in Nazareth. And uh, so the Sabbath has come I'm up here in chapter two and says he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. They were amazed. This crowd is often amazed 
Uh, uh, later on, it says that Jesus was amazed here in, in verse 6. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, if I jump, if I do this for you here, you can see here in the Greek, though, you might not be able to read it, but it says, so. Um, this utterly amazed is different uh, to the amazed down here. Thalmadzo, uh, uh, to marvel. So they're amazed like, oh, wow, this is incredible. When it says Jesus was amazed later on, he's like dumbfounded. It's more that he's like, I can't believe they don't, their lack of faith. Like he is in awe of how stupid they are uh, compared to them being in awe of how incredible he is. Um, so it says, where did this man get these things? Where did this man? So the, these things that he's talking about, um, it says, what? What's this wisdom that, uh, that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Uh, and when it says, where did this man get these things? Uh, let me just put that on. Just humor me so that I can see what's going on here. This man here, um, you can see it's repeated several times. When I highlight this word here, you can see the Greek words uh, highlight in my uh, version here. They're basically saying this guy. They're saying where did this guy, this Bogan, we know him. This is, uh, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They're saying, this guy, they don't even give him, they're not saying, isn't this Jesus? They're, they use, they're referring to him almost in a derogatory kind of way. And it says they took offense at him. And this word offense, uh, scandalizo, this is where we get our scandalized from. They are scandalized by him. They're offended by him. They're shocked by him because they're saying, how on earth is he doing these miracles? And how on earth is he speaking with such wisdom? Um, I like, I've got a different Bible version up here. The N.T. Wright version of this text um, says, "He, where is it? They took offense at him. Here we go. Here, how does he get this kind of power in his hands? Uh, the NIV translate that, translates that simply as these remarkable miracles. But you'll see here, if you read, here's the English on the top line here. And this next line shows us what's actually written in the Greek. And then the lemma below that is the, the kind of root word in the Greek, just if you're wondering what's going on there. And then this last column I have showing up here is the, trying to give you an idea of the different nuances of the word. So here you can see, where they've translated remarkable miracles, this is dynamis, where we get dynamic. So it's saying these powers is when in the book of Mark, when it says, how is he doing these miracles? It literally is saying, how is he doing these powers? How is he being powerful like this? Um, so how is he doing these powers? And this dia ton kairon is through his hands. And uh, this is his on the end. So through the hands of him. Um, and this is to happen here, that he's making them happen. So it's literally saying, how is his hands imparting this power? Uh, which I think is just such a cool way, like it's a literal way to describe him doing miracles that for whatever reason the NIV has chosen to, to skip out for us. Um, but I think it's something cool. And in the NT Wright version there, he holds on to this. Get, where did he get this power in his hands? Isn't he the handyman, Mary's son? 
Um, I'll stay in this Bible version for a moment. Isn't he the brother of James and um, and Jose uh, and uh, Judah and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense. They were scandalized at him. Prophets have honor everywhere, said Jesus, except in their own country, their own family and their own home. And he could not do any miracles. Again, this power here, dunamis. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people. Now, I think that the reason it's important that we, when we do our translation stuff, that we actually just translate what it says is because otherwise we would miss that, again, it's saying the power was coming from his hands and he couldn't do miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people. Uh, So I think it's important that we keep that um, the words, we just translate it to what it says, except lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Um, so this time around here, it's uh, Thalmadzo. He's marveled. He's in awe of their lack of faith. He's shocked by their lack of faith. So, Remember, we we look at this in context. So Mark had an agenda when he was writing this. The previous intercalation sandwich story for us was about the dead girl being raised, uh, little Talitha, and Talitha just means little girl. uh, So we, we call her Talitha, but it just means little girl in Aramaic. And he heals this woman that has come to Jesus. This is a story about faith, and it's contrasting great faith, uh, largely with the disciples who and the crowd who don't have this same great faith. And now we go back to Jesus' hometown and we're seeing this contrast even more sharply. So unlike the faith of the woman that was healed and unlike the faith of Jairus, whose daughter was healed, we now have Jesus coming to his hometown and he is shocked at their total utter lack of faith. He's sitting there sharing with them this incredible wisdom and doing these powers by his hands and they... They just can't believe him. So a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. Now, to be fair, uh, this guy here, brother of uh, James, uh, Jacob in the um, in the Greek, he eventually became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he led the church for like from Jerusalem when Peter and Paul and the other apostles, they left and went on kind of the mission field. James was the heart of the church there. And um, so, you know, he came good. Uh, But at this time, they're all like, we don't know who he is. James is part of that family a little bit earlier up that kind of got rebuked when Jesus says, my family are the ones who do the will of God. Okay, so we keep going in our story. The the lectionary passage for today uh, includes this sending out of the 12 bit as well. So we'll keep reading. Then Jesus went around town, uh, went around town, <laughs> went around teaching from village to village. So we go back here. Uh, he's cruising around Nazareth. So, you know, maybe he got as far as Cana, which is where he did his first miracles with the tra- um, changing water into wine. Who knows? Um, but this is the region of uh, Galilee, this is where he's traveling around now, just going village to village and, um, and, and, and healing people. And then it says, calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two. And this word send, I think, is, yeah, apostello. Uh, so this is, when we talk about apostles, 
It literally just means to be sent. That's, that's what this is. So it says here that he is apostling them. He's apostello. Uh, so he's sending them out two by two, and he's giving them authority over impure spirits. So remember, our whole kind of story of Mark, it starts out in a hurry. Uthos, I'm doing this immediately. And immediately he proclaims the good news of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here now, and the kingdom of God is Jesus having authority over sickness and authority over the Sabbath and authority over uh, disease and uh, the authority over the weather and authority over the spiritual realm. And now uh, authority over death, even with the raising of Jairus's daughter. And now he is imparting, he is sending and sending out as he does that he's giving them uh, the authority over impure spirits. So he's like, okay, you've seen me doing this. Now I want you to go and I want you to have the authority that I have been exhibiting. Because as you go, you will preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And when you do that, you bring the authority and the presence of the kingdom of God, uh, which is an authority over um, all of these other things. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. And wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Wow. So there's a bit of, bit of heat in this little message that he's sharing here. Um, uh, but what we see here is not a, it's not a prescription for all missionary work and mission in the church for all time. This is a description. This is Jesus describing, or Mark rather, describing what Jesus in, sent his disciples out at, at that time to do then. Uh, and it's about this, this new, energetic, quick, in a hurry uh, proclamation of the good news. But it also fits into the context of Mark's story. So he's saying, have great faith like Jairus. Have great faith like this woman. Don't be like uh, the people in my hometown who won't receive this message. Now you go and have great faith. But you'll note, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. He's sending these people all around to the places that they likely came from. So Jesus has already exampled, this is what happens when you go out with the good news. Probably some people will reject you. So Jesus has already shown, even I can't get healed. Uh, so even I can't do healings in some places. Even my great power can be thwarted by the total lack of faith. And maybe when you go out, you will also be rejected. So then he kind of sets it up for them to say, it's okay when you go out to preach this good news if no one wants to listen to you. Because they didn't listen to me. So we have this kind of two-part tale here. The first one is Jesus going out and being rejected. And the second one is him sending the disciples and warning them, you are probably going to be rejected too. Uh, and if we, well, we won't today, but if we kept carrying on in our story, we'd also see um, the extreme version of that. The next story is John the Baptist being beheaded. So in that next story, it's like, even if you have good news, some will reject you and some will persecute you and some of you may even pay a hefty price for that. But know uh, that, that like John, who at the very first chapter of this book is, you know, the herald of, of the kingdom of God in Jesus um, coming, 
you know, that these things can happen to John. And then ultimately, this is setting an example and a foreshadowing of what is happening to Jesus in his crucifixion. And they went out and preached that people should repent. And they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Jump over to the, uh, the NT Wright version there. See if there's anything. If you like, you don't have the luxury of the fancy software. You can just kind of flick between two different versions to see if there's anything hiding in the text there. Um, they went off and announced that people should repent. They cast out several demons and they anointed many sick people with oil and cured them. Now I'm, I'm, I'm smirking because uh, N.T. Wright chance had, uh, translated that several and the NIT, NIV said many. Um, this is probably an important distinction. If, you, if your kids were asking, can I have several cookies or many cookies? Uh, I don't know which one sounds like more. Um, uh, but the word here, polar, just means, yeah, that, it means many I'm not sure why N.T. Wright is saying several. It, it does mean many. Uh, and it's repeated. Many demons and many um, sick people were anointed with oil and he healed them. Um, so in this narrative, it fits into this perspective where we've seen this example of Jesus saying, um, I am presenting the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God. And in that good news, I have authority over the Sabbath and authority over um, uh, over sin, Jesus says, "I can heal you, and you can be healed, and you can be healed. Uh, I can forgive you, and you can be healed." So He has authority over sin, and He has authority over illness and disease. He has authority over the spiritual realm. Uh, he calms the storm. A few chapters back there, He has authority over the weather. He has authority over the, the bleeding condition of the woman, and He has authority over death. And then he gives that authority to his disciples, but not before showing that you probably won't be accepted everywhere. Even if you have the best message of good news, and even if you uh, have authority and great wisdom, there are times where people will simply reject you. And then the story carries on and, um, and John the Baptist has his head cut off. And then we get to Jesus ultimately dying on a cross. So even though this good news comes, it's not a story that's always accepted. And so when he says here um, that they went out and preached that people should repent, metanoeo, uh, this is that turning around repentance. But remember, they are preaching to Jewish people who have said, we will follow the law. And they're not following the law. So when they preach repentance to the Jews, they're, they're saying, you need to come back to God. You have walked away from the promises that you've made to God in the, in the commandments as a people. You need to come back to God, turn away from that and come back. Uh, so it's not a repentance that is a, an aggressive judgment. It's a, all the good things that God has for you in his kingdom over, over here, stop going this way, reconsider and come back this other direction. Uh, so we do have um, that repeated intercalation sandwich structure going on here. Um, so we have Jesus sending out his 12 and then we have an interlude with John the Baptist um, being executed and then you'll see right here at the beginning of the next section, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So Jesus sends them out and then we jump over to this story about 
the ultimate sacrifice that John makes because he's been preaching the kingdom of God and the good news of Jesus. And then we come back to the disciples, uh, or rather, you'll note now that they are apostles, the apostolos. The apostles, they've been sent now. They went from being disciples to being apostles. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So that then fulfills that intercalation sandwich in the book of Mark again. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's the kind of wraps up the Bible study of sorts, just looking at uh, chapter 6, 1 through uh, 13. There aren't any kind of like significant uh, emotional highs or anything there for me to pull on your strings. Uh, but I did want to just kind of example to you how I read through the scripture, especially when I'm thinking about preparing something for you guys. I basically do that. I literally have a map open. I have a couple different versions open. And then when I see something suspicious, I go and look at the Greek. Um, and then I will try to read a commentary or two. But that's basically how I prepare for you guys. Um.